Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. John chapter 16. I want to read uh, seven verses this morning, and, uh, and then we'll go into what I want to talk to you about this morning. I know you've already stood some, but if you will, please stand as we honor the reading of God's Word this morning out of John chapter 16 and verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go... I will send him to you, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it. To you, all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. In verse 15, this is not in my message. I just want to give you this as a little side note. Uh, We have a, a beautiful picture of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. In verse 15, Jesus was speaking, and he said, All that the Father hath is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So Jesus was talking about the Father. He was talking about the Comforter, which is Holy Spirit, that was going to come, that was going to declare what Jesus was saying to you. Amen. Father, thank you today that your word is powerful, your word is living. Let the living and powerful word of God go out through this auditorium, through the airwaves of our live stream service today. Bring conviction, bring restoration, bring healing, and bring hope, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can take your seat. I want to talk to you this morning on the subject of conviction. Conviction. Look at your neighbor and say conviction. Use that V real hard. Conviction. Conviction. Many times we we use the word conviction uh, and we think uh, of a criminal that uh, has been convicted of a crime. 
And surely that's what that word means. But in addition to that, the word conviction also means to lead uh, in a specific direction, to, to, uh, to enable one to follow a specific direction. The Lord began to deal with me about this uh, as we, uh, several weeks ago, as we began to talk about uh, getting back to basics, getting back to the basic things in our worship, in our service of God, and back to the basic things of what it means to be a child of God and what it means to be a Christian. For those of you that that uh, were not able to be with us Wednesday night, we talked about uh, Holy Spirit and, and, and the power of conviction. And I used an example uh, back uh, from the uh, early to mid-1800s of an evangelist named Charles Finney who went to the Third Presbyterian Church in uh, Rochester, New York. Uh, as a matter of fact, Rochester, New York is a place where a lot of violence uh, and rioting uh, is taking place now. But in the early 1800s, uh, Charles Finney uh, was called by the Third Presbyterian Church of Rochester to come and fill the pulpit. He rejected that uh, request, that invitation, and said, I'm not going to come. Uh, they repeatedly asked him to come. The church was in a mess. It was on the verge of, of totally closing the doors. There was a lot of churches, three churches in that area that were fighting each other. There was a lot of infighting in the church, and, and it was just a bad scene. It was just a bad uh, time. Uh, Rochester at that time uh, had been given over to a lot of crime and, and all of that. And so uh, Charles Finney, uh, this, this uh, little-known evangelist, said, I'm not going to come. But as he was praying about it, Holy Spirit questioned him and asked him, why are you refusing to go? And he laid out these excuses. The church is in a mess. They don't have a pastor. Uh, they're, they're fighting. There's infighting among the churches in the area. And uh, all of that, so I, I feel that it would be a waste of my time to go into that area. And Holy Spirit said, but I want you to go in that area. Uh, and so Charles Finney said, okay, I'll be obedient to the Spirit's leading, and I'll go uh, to the Third Presbyterian Church of Rochester, and I will minister. As he went there, they began to permeate that place with prayer. Charles Finney had a simple method of reaching lost people. One was prevailing prayer. He believed in the power of prayer. The second thing was he believed in preaching the unadulterated word of God. And, and so they went into that area and began to pray and began to preach the word of God. That was the beginning. As they begin to do that, uh, history tells us that people begin to come. Men and women begin to come. 
people would come and sit in these services and literally fall out of their seats on their face begging God to forgive them of their sins and to be saved. That was the beginning of what we know as the Great Awakening. It was the beginning of one of the greatest revivals, moves of God across not only the United States of America, but it, it transcended the boundaries of nations, and it was a worldwide awakening for the most part uh, where God was moving. Men and women were brought under the convicting power of Holy Spirit. They began to recognize their sins. They began to repent of their sins. And uh, history tells us that as a result of that beginning of that awakening in Rochester, New York at that time, that, that bars had to close down, taverns closed down, casinos closed down because there were no patrons that were coming any longer to patronize the business. Why? Because conviction had come into the city and conviction had come into the church and men and women were recognizing as they sat and listened to the word of God, they recognized, I am a sinner. That is something that is very unpopular in 2020. The fact is, though, ladies and gentlemen, that, that scripture has not changed. The Bible has not changed. It was sin back then and it is sin now. If we needed Jesus 2,000 years ago, we sure do need him now. If I needed a Savior last year, then I need him more today. If I was a sinner when I was born, then I was a sinner when I got saved. You see, those things have not changed. We need the power of holiness to come and permeate our churches once again so that those that come in that believe and say I am a born again Christian can grow stronger but those that come in that have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof that when they walk into the house of God the convicting power of Holy Spirit will so uh, get them and so grab their heart that they will fall on their faces before God and repent you don't know how much I fought for this right here this morning so I'm going to preach it whether there's any amens or anything like that but I have fought hell on behalf of this message right here but I can tell you this morning that I made up my mind several months ago God you give it to me I'll preach it if I have to preach it to an empty seat then I'll do it if I have to preach it from a pine stump I've been there before and I'll go back again I'll do it again God because I'm not going to cut I'm not going to uh, water down the gospel any longer I want you to understand something this morning that what our nation needs most will not be accomplished in the halls of Congress 
what our nation needs the most will not be decided in the courtroom of the Supreme Court. But what our nation needs the most is for churches and for people of God to come back to an understanding that I came to Jesus because I was convicted of my sin. I came to Jesus not because mama told me to and not because I felt compelled by a brother or sister, but I came to Jesus and when I came to Jesus, I recognized I had sin in my life. I was a broken down, no good for nothing sinner whose hands were dirty and my heart was even worse, but I came to Jesus because I knew that my sin had me bound, my sin had me tied up, but Jesus was my only hope and so I ran to him and when I found him, the chains were broken and I was no longer bound by that sin. What's happening in our culture today with Christians that are willing to accept it and willing to receive it is this, that God is coming in and he is digging around your flower bed, getting you to draw closer to him, getting you to recognize that you need to lay aside the weight that has been so easily besetting you and grab a hold to the horns of the altar and begin to let God work through your life. Listen, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23, and I'm going to kind of slow down a little bit. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23, beginning along with verse 25, he was talking to the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious elites of that day, those that, that supposedly knew everything, those that looked good on the outside, and all of that, but Jesus confronted them, and he said this. He called them hypocrites. Wow. I'm not calling you hypocrites, all right? But that's what Jesus said when he confronted the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes. But look what he, what he said. He said, you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside you're full of greed Self-indulgence. You know, could it be that, that so many times I've been guilty of polishing up the outside of the cup? The other day I, I, I went in the office there in Uri, and it's been several weeks ago, and I went into our little bathroom, and I was going to wash my hands, and I noticed there was a... Uh, Yeti cooler uh, cup that was turned upside down in the sink. It was shiny. It looked good on the outside. It even had somebody's initials on it. And I won't call any names, but it had somebody's initials on it uh, in, in a real pretty color, green. And so uh, as, as I stood there and looked at it, I said, well, I'm going to move this out of here. And so when I picked it up, I realized that there was a brown ring from where I picked it up. And so uh, I said, okay. So I picked it up and turned it over. And when I looked inside of it, it was a farm of living organisms that was growing on the inside of that cup. 
I was never talking about you. I'm not talking about you either, Bruce, okay? All right. But somebody, I'm, just, I'm talking about somebody. It was growing coffee beans inside that cup, looked like. So anyway, when I, when I saw that, that's what I'm preaching on this morning. I get my messages from some of the oddest places. But I recognize the beauty of the outside and how it looked good on the outside, but when you look on the inside, it was dirty, it was nasty. But I think what God is saying to the church is don't pay as much attention to the outside of the cup as you do to the inside because the inside is what matters. Uh, In, in 1 Kings chapter 19, and I'm going to try to get back to my uh, original message. But in 1 Kings chapter 19, beginning along about verse 11, is where we're just going to jump into this. Because I want to I share with you um, just my heart for just a moment. But in this story, it's the story of Elijah. You remember the story of Elijah, how he went to Mount Carmel and how he confronted the prophets of Baal. <clears throat> Jezebel and Ahab were the king and queen of that, of that hour, and uh, they were idolaters. They were evil. Jezebel was one of the most evil women uh, that you could ever imagine. She's even mentioned uh, in the book of Revelation in the last days, and we'll talk about her uh, a little bit later on, but, but she was an evil woman. Uh, the spirit of Jezebel uh, is, is so powerful and prevalent in our society. But anyway, Elijah had confronted those, those uh, demonic forces and those demonic spirits, and he went up on Mount Carmel, and you remember how the power of God just moved in such a dramatic way, and uh, God showed up, uh, and, and they experienced a revival from Mount Carmel, and, and uh, it was just a great time, but right after that, uh, Jezebel said just a few words to Elijah or concerning Elijah, <clears throat> And fear consumed him, and he ran. This, this man that had just been responsible for, for slaying over 450 prophets of Baal, uh, this great man of God that had prayed and, and fire came down from, from heaven and consumed the sacrifice on the altar, a great power, powerhouse uh, of a man was now running because he had heard something with his ear about what Jezebel said that she was going to do to him. And so he ran, and even to the point that he despaired of his life. And we know that to be, uh, that is something that, that happens so many times. We experience a mountaintop with God, and then all of a sudden we get blindsided by something that just knocks the wind out of us. So, so don't look too down on Elijah because we've all been there. 
So Elijah is running and he's despairing of his life. He's, he's even desiring to, to God, for God just to let him die. And, and so he winds up in a cave and, uh, and uh, God comes to him in the cave and, and calls him out. And, uh, and there's, there's a, uh, something that happened when Elijah went out of the cave and was standing there in First uh, Kings chapter 19, along about verse 11, the Bible says that when Elijah was standing there, that there was this phenomenon of wind, or this uh, wind event that came, and just it was a powerful wind that came through. But the Bible says that God was not in the wind. And then the Bible says after the wind passed that there was an earthquake. And the Bible says that the earthquake was there. And, and as an earthquake does, it shakes things, it, it rattles things, it breaks things apart and all of that. But God was not in the earthquake. And then there was a third thing that fire came. But God was not in the fire. But then the Bible says that God spoke to Elijah in a still, small voice. And if you look up that and study it just a little bit, it literally says that God whispered to Elijah. I was thinking about this message the other day. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, Son, there is a shift that's taking place in the Spirit. And the Lord began to deal with me about the rise of evil, the rise of rebellion, and the rise of uh, demonic activity. And I, I, I want to I put a pin right there and let you know you need to pay attention to the things that are coming across your telev television screen and the things that are coming across your Facebook feed. The things that are being tweeted to you that you share and you agree with, you need to pay attention to those things. But the Lord began to deal with me <clears throat> about that. And he said, the, the loudness of evil is rising. It is getting louder and louder and all of that. But God said, son, I want you to tell the church that what we have been, what we have seen in the past that could represent the wind and the shaking and the fire, God said there's a shift that's taking place in the spirit. And God said it is extremely important that my people begin to understand the whisper of Holy Spirit. And you say, 
manifest God, brother. I'm telling you, the fire of God, yeah, the fire of God has fallen. And the fire of God will fall again. I have seen the wind of Holy Spirit as it swept across the congregation. I understand that. I've seen people that would sit on their seats in the sanctuary and literally tremble because the word of God was so strong on their lives. But listen to me closely. That was then, but what God is doing now, God always, he never gets in a rut of doing things. And, and we are the worst about getting in a rut. But God never gets in a rut about doing things. But can I tell you, God spoke to me and he said, Son, there's a shift in the spirit. <laughs> and he said, I want you to tell my church that they need to listen out for the whisper of Holy Spirit. Now I'm fixing to tell you why I believe God said that to me. Here is this despondent man of God, this beat down, wore out prophet of God that has, that has been through the fire and the battle of life, that has struggled, that has stood in the gap for the cause of God and all of that, and but now... Because of all the events and all the circumstances and, and all the, the situations going on around him, he is beat down. He is discouraged. He is despondent. He is wanting to give up and wanting to quit. But right at the, right at the moment when he was at his lowest Point, and right at the moment when he was in the worst of the worst places of his life is when God comes in and says, no, you think this is the lowest, you think this is the worst, but I am not finished with you yet. I've got something that I want to do, but perhaps I brought you to where you are today that you can recognize a shift, a turning in the spirit, that you would get out of the rut that that you've been in and recognize that I am wanting to do something a little bit different out of the ordinary. Now listen to this. And I'm not going to go into details on this, but I just want to give you this real quick. Elisha is standing there and God begins to give him a detailed instruction about what he wants him to do. He said, I want you to go to that guy's name. It starts with an H, and it's got a Z in it. Hazazel. Haz it ain't there. My southern drawl will not allow me to say that name. But it's H-A-Z, okay? You can... And then he said, I want you to go to Jehu. And then I want you to go to Elisha. Those were three very different men from different walks of life. 
But there was one thing, and I want you to get this. There was one thing that all three of them would have in common once they had been in contact with Elijah. God said to Elijah, I want you to go and anoint. I want you to go and anoint. I want you to go and anoint Elisha. In other words, what God was saying to Elijah, there is a shift from what you've been used to doing. Your battles no longer are going to take place on a mountain with a bunch of prophets of Baal. Your battles are no longer going to take place by turning uh, or by uh, doing some miracle or something like that. He said, but now there's a shift there. And he said, I want you to take what I have given you, put your hand upon these three men, and what it's going to do is it's going to empower them to do something greater than what you would be able to do. The anointing. God said, is that that breaks the yoke of bondage. When we say the anointing, uh, many times in Pentecostal circus, circles, we think about it's a shake and a bumping and a rattling and all that, and, and it's a speaking in tongues and swinging off the lights and all that. But God said, because there's a shift, he said, I want you to recognize that the anointing is going to begin to be passed down and begin to move throughout the people's lives. And God said that it is important to understand that the anointing is not going to move through the wind. It's not going to move through the earthquake. It's not going to come through the fire. But the anointing is going to come by a still small voice that will tell you you need to stand up and go over here and lay hands on this individual. Or you need to you need to reckon that individual that's on the third aisle in Walmart, they need a healing in their body. And God said, it is the gentle whisper of my voice that says will you respond will you be obedient and just do what I've asked you to do it is that still small voice that God is speaking with today and ladies and gentlemen can I tell you something this morning what the devil thought was going to be uh, the last hurrah for the church the last hurrah has not come yet because God is saying I've still got some things I want to do I've still got some things that I want to bring about and God said but I'm looking for a people that will listen and hear the still small whisper of Holy Spirit as as it prompts them and as it speaks to them. Listen, Jesus said in John chapter 14, He said, I'm going to send one back, another. And that word another is one of the exact of Him. He said, I'm going to send one back. I'm going to send a helper, a comforter, a paracletos, one that is called alongside. And he said, he will convict the world, or he will convince the world. He will convince the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. So here's number one. 
I need to hear the word of Holy Spirit. I need to hear the prompting of Holy Spirit because the prompting of Holy Spirit will guard and protect me against all the other voices that are speaking so loudly in our world. Remember what we talked about? Some of you do, and some of you don't because you weren't here uh, to hear it. But Wednesday night we talked about this thing about Holy Spirit and how he convicts and how it's the power of conviction that leads us to, to respond to the Word of God. We read the Word of God, and Holy Spirit brings it out to us. Holy Spirit opens the Word to us. He reveals truth. He reveals because the Word of God is the words that Jesus said. The Word of God is those things that came from the lips of Jesus, the lips of heaven, and, and they were written down by men of old that were breathed on by Holy Spirit. So if it came as a breath of Holy Spirit to man, then it has to come as a breath of revelation to you and I. Otherwise, we will read and not understand or we will read and get frustrated, and because we're frustrated because we don't understand, we'll close our Bible and lay it to the side and depend on the radio or television or a pastor or something to teach us what we need to know. But can I tell you something this morning? There might be perhaps some that would say today, Pastor, I've never heard the voice of God. Then open the Word of God, because the voice of God operates through the Word of God. And when you open the Word of God and begin to dissect and begin to uh, uh, do surgery on the Word of God and dig in the Word of God and say, God, I want an understanding of your Word. I want to know what you're saying. I want to know what you're speaking to me. As you begin to do that, then Holy Spirit will come and begin to move in your spirit and in your life and He will begin to reveal the truth of the Word of God. See, the problem is that the reason we have so many people going in so many different directions many times is because they're not reading the Word of God. They're listening to some professor at some seminary that doesn't even believe in the Word of God teach them the Word of God. And we wonder why there's so many crazy, off-the-wall ideas and opinions about religion. Listen, everything that our world is dealing with today has come from the, the, the room of education. It is either a lack of education or it is an education that is contrary to the Word of God. Anybody... I know I'm on a rat trail like crazy right now, but just bear with me. Listen, anybody that will stand and tell you that God is not the creator of heaven and earth, you don't need to listen to them. You need to get out of their church. You need to quit paying your tithes to that church and find you a church of an old-fashioned preacher that can't half read or write but believes in the Word of God from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through to the final 
amen in the book of Revelation. He even might believe that the, the maps are inspired by God. You need to find somebody that believes the word of God. You say, well, pastor, Genesis don't have much to do with my relationship with God. But, oh, yes, it does. It has everything to do with your relationship with the word of God. Because if you lose it in the beginning, you won't find it in the middle. And if you don't find it in the middle, you won't have it at the end. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. It is important that we come back to the basis of understanding that the word of God is the word of God. And Jesus is the son of God. It was his blood that was shed on the cross. He is the one that redeems us from our sin and breaks the power of sin from over our lives. And it is he that on soon and very soon is going to split the eastern sky and come back to receive a body that is spotless and unblemished by the world. Listen, the problem in our society today, and you can go back for hundreds of years to a problem that began in the educational halls in the classrooms, even at many of the universities, many, let me say this, many of the universities, Yale, and universities like that were started by pastors or men of God that loved the Lord. But over a period of time, they drifted, and they continued to drift in their theology and their understanding and many today have professors that are teaching them, even in many Christian institutions. Professors are teaching young pastors and young church leaders future, and they don't even believe in the creation. They don't even believe there's a hell. Listen, and what has happened is that even in our school systems, in our public school systems, and, and our uh, educational systems, ideas and ideologies have come in that have been uh, produced in universities and colleges across our nation that are contrary to the gospel. And, and, and they have been permeated into our society over the years. No wonder it's, we have a generation of young men and young ladies that are rising up that want to burn the, the flag of the United States. No wonder uh, we have a generation of young men and young women that have no respect uh, for the church and no respect uh, for the nation and for the men and women that fought and died for our nation. Why? Because they have been educated that way. And what's happened in the church many times is we have listened and we've turned our head and say it will get better. And we say we're going to pray about it. And so we've added these things to our little prayer list on Wednesday night and all of that. But what we have done is we have allowed these things to go because they have been moving warp speed ahead while the body of Christ many times have been sitting back enjoying our new fellowship hall and, and having our lunches and 
our dinners and all of that while the, the world has been continually getting closer and closer to the brink of destruction. But what God is saying today in 2020 of September is saying this, I am speaking, but it is not with the loud voices of society. I am speaking with a whisper to those that will listen and those that will listen to me will be the Elijahs. They will be the Elishas and they will be the Jehus that will ride hard to the ward the destruction of evil. Uh, listen. Jesus said Holy Spirit is going to come and one of the one of the things about Holy Spirit is that he will convict and convince because they do not believe in him. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, now Paul was speaking to Timothy, he said, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. In other words, Paul was saying the, the Spirit speaks directly and intentionally. That in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Notice what the word says. Now the spirit, and that word spirit is capitalized, meaning now Holy Spirit. Now Holy Spirit is speaking expressly now, Holy Spirit is speaking intentionally to this one subject that in the latter times, which is now, some, not all, but some will depart from the faith. I want you to notice that. He said they will depart from the faith. If you are in Atmore today, sitting on Main Street, you call me on the phone and say, Pastor, and I'm, and I'm waiting, you over, waiting on you over there at a restaurant so we can get some fried chicken. And you call me and you're sitting on Main Street in Atmore and you say, Pastor, I'll be there in a little bit. I'm fixing to depart from the sanctuary of McCullough Christian Center. What are you doing? You're lying. You cannot be sitting on Main Street in Atmore and tell me that you're going to depart from the sanctuary of McCullough Christian Center. Why am I saying that? I'm saying this, that Paul said that in the latter times, there are going to be some that are going to depart from the faith. In other words, they are going to walk away from the faith. You cannot depart from something unless you are in it. All right? He said, so some are going to depart from the faith because they're going to give heed. In other words, they're going to... They're going to Listen to the wrong voice. They're going to listen to the wrong sound. And because they listen to the wrong thing, 
it will cause them to be seduced by these spirits. Never before in the history of this nation have we had more seductive demonic spirits unleashed on our society. Never before have I, have I would I, no, I can't say it because I, I saw it coming and I see it coming more, but never before would we have, have imagined that our kids would be subjected to movies such as Cuties coming off of Netflix. If you haven't heard of that, you need to do some research, Mom and Daddy. And the second thing you need to do is you need to cancel your membership to Netflix. I know I probably lost some of y'all right there. But you got to love me. If, if you don't love me, you ain't going to heaven. So you got to love me. Even in California, they have, they have just pushed through or pushing through a bill that would reduce the, the punishment for certain sex crimes committed on children. That is going through the House of Representatives and leadership in California. Listen, there's a lot of good people in California. There's a lot of praying people in California. There's a lot of men and women of God in California, okay? But there's a lot of fruits and nuts out there too, all right? Because I'm going to tell you something. When those things begin to happen there, look out. But we're seeing that more and more and more. I believe everything about our nation flows through the front doors and the back door of the church because I believe that we have the power and the ability to turn the volume up or bring the volume down, all right? And what God is saying, and, and I'm, I'm running out of time, but what God is saying is this. It is time for the people who call themselves by my name to recognize you need to listen to the still small voice that is speaking listen I wish I could tell you that I have always listened to the still small voice but I haven't there have been times when I lost my cool when all the time that still small voice was saying, don't go there. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't say that. But I didn't listen. But I believe that what God is saying in this hour is this, guys. Because you are under attack. Your spouse is under attack. And your children are under attack. It is extremely important that we lay down 
all of this stuff that looks good on the outside, that makes everybody think we've got it all together, when in reality, we are falling apart on the inside. Let's get real with Jesus. Get real with him, guys. I promise you today that sitting where you are today, you see all the impossibilities and you say, I will never be able to do that. I will never be able to live that life. But can I tell you something this morning? That I know, that I know, that I know that right now there is a voice that is speaking into your spirit that's saying, if you will just bow down to me, if you will just humble yourself before me, if you will quit listening to the wrong voices and recognize that what I want to do for you is the best, I want to give you the best. Quit accepting the status quo and reckon there, that voice right now is speaking into your heart, into your ear, saying, if you will come to me, I will give you rest. If you come to me, I will take away the burden that you've been carrying around. If you will come to me, I will give you the peace that you so desperately need. It is the voice of Holy Spirit that is convicting and convincing you. You might sit there today and you might say, man, that is the loudest, uh, most obnoxious pastor or preacher that I've ever heard. But when that gets out of your mind, there's another little voice that comes in and says, you better listen, you better hear because I'm speaking to you. You didn't walk in this place by accident this morning. You didn't happen up in here by happen stance God brought you here with a divine purpose and with a specific intent to get a word into your spirit that will cause you to turn your face away from all the wind the earthquakes and the fire and recognize that there's a voice from heaven that is speaking to you that wants to bring healing and restoration and renewal into your life would you stand with me please Listen, there's, there's so much that we've, we've that, I've, that I cut out on this this morning. Could I get some musicians up here, please? Sister Sandy, you get you got a, a song. I know this is a little bit different. If you, if you don't have a song, just give me some, some uh, music. So I remember, and I've been thinking about this all week, I remember growing up as, as a kid and even moving into my teenage years. And even so many times going to church and being in the service and there would be such a powerful 
spirit of conviction and drawing that would come. And I remember the times that I would stand there and, and, and literally squeeze the pew ahead of me because I knew that God was dealing with me. Now we call people to come to Jesus and he'll fix your marriage. Come to Jesus and he'll give you peace. But listen, the biblical repentance is not to come to Jesus so that he can fix your marriage. The biblical repentance is come to Jesus and he will fix the sin problem that has caused the marriage problem. He will fix the sin. That's why he died. That's why he gave his life for you. I was thinking about this and I want to share it, and, and we're going we're gonna to sing a quick song, and, and I'm going to let you go. Jesus is hanging on the cross in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's hanging on the cross. He's been beaten beyond recognition. Blood has covered his entire body. He's probably in and out of consciousness. The Bible says that as he was hanging there between heaven and earth, stretched out naked on the cross, the shame, the humiliation that he was suffering. The Bible says that there were a crowd of people that were gathered around beneath the cross. And many of them were mocking. And they were looking at him and saying, if you were who you said you were, you would come down off of that cross. Others were laughing. Soldiers were mocking as they parted his garments and bedded on his garment. Many people were there and they were shaking their head, laughing. How could this be the king of the Jews hanging here, beaten, battered, dying on the cross? And we fast forward just a few weeks. Jesus is now resurrected. The, the grave couldn't hold him. And he's arisen from the grave now. We get to see through the story in the book of Acts where, where Jesus was standing there talking to them and all of a sudden he ascended to the throne of heaven. And there was an angel that looked at the disciples that were standing there looking blown away by what they were seeing and wondering what was going on and 
And, and an angel appeared to him and said, Ye men of Galilee, why are you standing here gazing up into heaven? Because this one that you see leaving you now, in one day he will return in like manner. We fast forward from there just a few days. It's after Pentecost now. It's after the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon the, the, the uh, 120 in the upper room. Peter now has stepped out of the upper room. I can see him as he's coming down the stairs of the upper room. And he walks out and there's a crowd of people again standing on the street. Many of them are saying, what's going on? Others are looking at all these men that just came out of the upper room, and they're saying, these men are drunk with new wine. They, they, they've been drinking this early in the morning. But Peter never preached a message before in his life. Steps up and says, guys, I want you to think about this crowd, this crowd still questioning, still doubting this crowd. He said, you are the ones that crucified Jesus. So that lets us know that they were the, some of them were the same people that were there that day were, that were mocking and laughing at this man on the cross. But Peter said this, he said, that one that you crucified has been made both Lord and Christ. Now hear this. The Bible says when Peter said that, that something smote them in their heart, that their hearts were pricked. In other words, their hearts began to bleed. And they said, what? must we do to be saved? I'm paraphrasing. The same crowd that just a few weeks earlier was laughing and mocking at Jesus on the cross. Now this same crowd because they heard just a few words out of Peter are saying, oh my goodness, what must I do? What must I do to be saved? You know what Peter told them? He said, repent, repent, repent. And here's the thing I wanted to say. What makes a rebellious mob of people hating Jesus with a passion, laughing at this body that is beaten beyond recognition, mocking him, spitting on him, what makes a, an angry mob of people in a split second of time change their direction and recognize their need for the one that hung on the cross? It is the power of Holy Spirit. It is the voice, Brother Jesse, of a whispering Holy Spirit that goes into the heart of man and says, you need a Savior. 
So here's what I want to do this morning because I know today that there's a voice that's speaking in this place right now that is saying to you, you need a Savior. So here's what I want to do. I want them as they sing. We're going we're gonna to give just an old-fashioned invitation. I know pandemic, I know social distancing, I know all that. But here's what I want you to do. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm responding to the still small voice that's saying, come to Jesus. There's some in here that you've been in church for a long time but you hadn't been listening to the voice of God. God is saying, this is your time. This is your time. As they sing this morning, I want you to take one of the boldest, most courageous steps that you've ever taken in your life and step out from where you are and come down and meet me on the gray carpet because Jesus is knocking at your door saying, I've come today to your house as they sing won't you come won't you come real quickly we're not going to prolong it just come maybe your your marriage go ahead maybe your marriage is in a mess you just need Jesus you just need Jesus won't you come this morning God is speaking will you be obedient to the voice of God she's singing do me a favor reach over to the person beside you take them by the hand and say hey will you walk with me down there I don't want to go by myself will you go with me down because I need Jesus will you do that will you do that this morning your heads with me just real softly guys just real softly and with every head bowed and every eye closed this morning I know that there are people here today I know that God is working and moving so here's what I want you to do I'm not going to give up on you 
I'm not going to let it go today because I believe this morning the Holy Spirit is speaking. The Holy Spirit is whispering. So here's what I want you to do. McCullough Christian Center has a Facebook page. I have a Facebook page. I want you to private message me. Send me a private message. Let me know who you are. And let me know because I want to pray with you. I'm not going to hound you. I'm not going to pester you. But God's calling you to a decision. And it's, even though it seems hard right now, it's going to be one of the greatest decisions that you've ever made. So this morning, we're going to pray. And then I want you to go back into that song because we're going to dismiss. I'm going to ask our ushers, if you will, to get there already at the front door. Brother Tad's there. He's going to receive this morning's tithe and offering. I want you to know, guys, that I, I, I don't apologize for the message that I preach. Yes, it's hard. It's hard because I love you guys so much. I love you so much. I want to get you just as far away from the world as I can possibly get you. I want you to walk out of here every Sunday morning with a bad taste in your mouth when it comes to the world. And I do that because I love you. If you don't want a pastor like that, too bad. Father, we come this morning. We come in the mighty name of Jesus. God, so grateful this morning that, Father, even though our world and things around us might be hopeless, we're so grateful today that there's peace in the name of Jesus. And, Father, this morning I pray for those in this room today, those that have been listening by way of live stream, those that are going to listen on YouTube, I pray, Father, let the Word penetrate the heart. Let us be changed. Let us be renewed and redeemed by the power of your name. Lord, we love you today. We worship you this morning. Now, Father, I pray over everyone that has brought tithe and offering. I bless them today as I know that you are going to bless them as they give in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.